Welcome to Show Me Mike, the podcast about podcasting, which you can find online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I'm your host, Chris Enns. I, Chris, on Twitter. And for this episode, I've got Kevin Hobdestad, who's one of the hosts of Well Met, a podcast that talks all things Hearthstone, popular card trading, battling game, if you haven't heard from it, heard of it. We talk about how easy it can be to live stream video now for your podcast, how Patreon has enabled creators to focus on creating and how the world of esports has exploded and given opportunities to folks playing video games as well as those reporting on the video games. My thanks to FeedPress for sponsoring this episode. Visit feed.press/smym and use coupon code SMYM to get 10% off your first year of podcast hosting analytics. More about them a little later on in the show. For now, enjoy my conversation with Kevin. I think this is the first time I've had somebody from Sask. You're in Saskatoon still, right? Yeah. Yeah. From Saskatoon on the show, on this podcast anyway. There's not a lot of people, I don't think, in Saskatoon doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And well, actually, no, that's not not true. I had my colleague here at Good Stuff, Carrie Halstedge, hosts the show on our net. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that would have been really bad, really bad if I left that in the show and she happened to listen because she's been on the show and she's in Saskatoon. But um but yeah, it's uh, there. It feels like there's. It's definitely gaining in popularity at a local level, but you still get. I'm sure, as you are well aware, you get weird looks when you say you're a podcaster to anybody um, who isn't online and isn't familiar with the medium that much. So, absolutely. So, tell me a bit about um, about your podcast. The the first, I guess, first of all, the title for anybody who's. I'm assuming it's a uh, Hearthstone reference, but where where does Well Met come from? Uh, well met is actually one of the greetings from one of the characters in the game. So if you play as the paladin character in Hearthstone uh, and you want to emote a greeting to your opponent, he says well met in this really you know authoritative voice. And we sort of, of the things that we could think of that referenced the game internally, that was the one that spoke to us the most. So that was what we named the show. Nice. Yeah, it's always good to have an inside reference because it definitely makes uh, makes it more interesting for folks who are familiar with it and insider baseball kind of stuff and the podcast like we said already is about hearthstone and um you're as of re- we're recording right now anyways 29 episodes in um what i guess first of all what's what's hearthstone for somebody who's not familiar with it at all and then what is well met a podcast about hearthstone about sure so uh, hearthstone the game is a digital collectible card game so it's it's a game designed around building a collection of different types of cards that can be played in a format where you're playing against an opponent, uh, a real person, and you're using your cards to put uh, minions out to do battle against their minions, cast spells, and eventually one of you is uh, the winner by virtue of defeating your opponent, getting them down to zero hit points. And the the game has been out now for uh, a couple of years in various phases. It went through a, a public alpha and beta before it released, um, but people have been playing it actively and it's been a part of the game community for about two years. And well met is a show for people who are trying to get into the more competitive scene around the game. So people who want to try and play the game at a higher level, who are interested in seeing it played competitively by professional players, because there is an audience for that. And uh, just knowing what's going on in that space and being involved in that scene. Right. And sort of like it's the equivalent, um, and this isn't meant in any sort of disparaging way, because I think it's awesome that this is happening with video games, but it's kind of like the equivalent of a, you know, a sports podcast about the, foot, the latest football team or whatever, and talking, you know, you guys go sort of 
behind the scenes, as it were, talking about strategies, talking about right in my and yeah, industry absolutely. news and stuff as it relates to players and things like that. Yeah, think of us as the the Monday Night Football, but for <laughs> the craziest digital online connected geeks, you know, like it's <laughs> there is a whole audience for this, and it's a it's a huge and very quickly expanding space. Like the game has some thirty million people that have tried playing it. Um, you know, and of those people, I, it's hard to know exactly how many are, you know, where, but like there is a, a active community even here in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan that play the game. People get together and they have little events and they watch pro players online. The pro community runs big tournaments that award. Uh, there was one just recently that awarded a quarter million dollars in prizes across, uh, you know, like a dozen players or something. It's crazy. It's a yeah. huge thing. Um, and there are, there are lots of people who, you know, want to talk about it, want to hear about it, want it in a digestible format because it's it can be something that, like any other sport, is tough to know the ins and outs or tough to follow, and that's where we come in. Yeah, and that's where I think people who are you know either blissfully or naively unaware of online gaming and game like video streaming and all the stuff that happens now with like consoles ship now with the ability to stream online a gameplay or your gameplay online and things like that and and people who are unaware of that like it's it's a huge world that is you're just like <laughs> completely because the audience i forget what the stat is it's some like crazy number where like the last um what's that one game the uh it has a weird acronym hova or, or <laughs> not Hova. oh you're thinking of uh league of legends probably maybe yeah where it's like the the amount of people who watched like the finale or whatever was like more than the amount of people who watched the super bowl or some you know crazy stat like that it's it's a massive number it's yeah. kind of real and like real money like you said being handed out it's not just you know uh, whatever a free video game controller or something for the winner like this is real real money real real jobs and lives are are being lived here in this world and and it's uh i think it's awesome that it's sort of got, come into its own for sure in in this day and age and i'm just disappointed that my parents didn't let me pursue video games more when i was a kid <laughs> yeah i mean the, the tournament scale like in hearthstone because it's a newer game and it's also fairly like it, the game itself is free to play and quite accessible um, there's not a huge high skill ceiling the way that some games have, or obviously the, the things like League of Legends and those big tournaments are very team driven. And so you get something like, uh, there's a tournament called the International that one of the developers Valve holds for one of its games, and they allow people to buy into a prize pool. And last year's International, or this year's International? Yeah, this year's, 2015's International, had a prize pool of over $10 million. The winning team of five players each took home over a million dollars cash. Like right. that. They instant millionaires. They won a lottery by yeah. being good at a video game. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the great, the great thing. Like I know my son, my son and I, he's eight now. He got into playing a bit of Hearthstone. He hasn't played in a little while, but um, definitely got into it. And it's like, it, like you said, it's accessible as a game. It's very, it's easy to understand, easy enough to understand, but a depth curve that ramps up if you want to follow that. And, and especially as you're playing against other players, very easy to get sort of, um, crushed as it were <laughs> in the in the game as you play it with other people too but but it is possible to also play it this isn't a hearthstone podcast but <laughs> it's possible to play it on your own too right if if i remember correctly in my yes. brief sort of tutorials with him and, and following along yeah there's uh there's the ability to play against an ai there are unlockable adventures that you can play where you have to defeat bosses and that in turn unlocks new cards and it, it is a, a self-contained 
experience if you want it to be, but the far and away majority of people are playing it for its multiplayer. That's and that's why the show exists. So we can talk about what people are using in the competitive multiplayer space and that kind of stuff. Like that's our audience. Right. Yeah. Cause there's the, the game is on multi-platform, right? Uh, iOS, Android, Mac, windows, you can play it and log into the same account on multiple platform, like not the same time, but play it from almost anywhere effectively. And yeah. Pretty much any device. Uh, the iOS stuff has been out for quite a while. It's been, uh, just recently, like this year, I believe it was the phone clients came out, so you could play it on an iOS right. or Android phone, which is really cool and and a big a big shift for Blizzard, the developer as a company, because traditionally they were just a desktop computer developer. That was the only space their games could be played in. So this is their first entry into mobile as well, which it seems to have gone well for them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it prints money. Yeah, because and the way that they make money, obviously, in case you're not, if you haven't played the game, is the game is free to play, but then within the game you can buy. Well, there's uh, add-ons that you can buy, right? And they aren't cheap. Like it's not like a five dollar add-on. There, um, the latest expansion pack was correct me if I'm wrong, twenty thirty bucks somewhere in there. I forget what the. Yeah, there's been like they have a content release cycle where something new comes out roughly every four months, and each of those major expansions is either a new collection of cards which you can buy. Um, packs of five cards at varying price points, but the average person is spending like $50 to get a whole bunch of them and try to finish the new sets. And then the individual adventure modes that we discussed earlier are usually $25 a piece. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so. like I am not, I am not into the game for everything. I do not have a complete collection and I am probably into this game for a little over $500 in the last two years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that's... It adds up in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> so parents of your kids starting down the uh, Hearthstone addiction path, just beware. You might want to set aside a couple dollars uh, every few months to help pay for separate, the... Separate allowance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, it is it is funny. And I, I think the for anybody who's never tried it, like I played it with my son, like I said, and I played a bit of my own. And, and I got to the point where difficulty level kind of hit... I hit a wall and it was like, I just didn't have time to sort of figure out more. But for anybody who has never tried it, don't be scared off by the sort of packaging of like warlocks and and whatever like to me it's a really fun just strategy card game to play like if you took away stripped away all that kind of stuff and we're just dealing it's hard it's like numbers that you're dealing with and just like you would in cards or whatever and um and bonuses and multipliers and stuff like that and, and things like that and uh and it's a really fun game just to play at that level if you want to keep it there obviously if you're going to go for you know quarter of a million dollar tournament you might want to ramp up a bit (laughs) in the the difficulty and and knowledge and that's where uh well met can come in and help so bring it back to the podcast the point of the the show i'll save my uh tips or questions about how to play the game for another shot another time but i'll take them on my show yeah exactly um bring it back to your podcast what um tell me a bit about the show as far as where you're like you you record on it's on youtube uh, you have a channel on youtube on a sort of it looks like part of a bigger network blizz pro network or something and um and you have obviously the audio version as well as the video version and um i don't know where to go exactly first maybe just with with related to youtube and the video version how has that sort of come about and does that has that been a great sort of platform to be on for the kind of game and for the kind of podcast that you're doing in ways, yes, and in ways, no. Um, the the YouTube presence that we have now is only the last few episodes. It's quite recent, and it's a byproduct of the fact that because we're a part of the competitive gaming world, we actually live stream our audio recording process on a platform called Twitch. And Twitch is the 
big platform that you kind of alluded to earlier where people can go and watch other people play games where you can see these tournaments take place. It's the the house in which all of that stuff takes place for better or for worse. And it's a big deal. They were bought out by Amazon for a billion dollars last year. Like they, they are a massive, massive network. So we created a Patreon where our um, fans, I guess, could choose to support the show. And one of the rewards that we put together was if we reached a certain funding level, we would live stream every week the process of recording the show. And now we do. So we record an audio podcast, but we do that in a place where people can sit and watch us record it and interact with us in chat. And that video from the live stream session is what we're exporting and placing on YouTube so people can go back and watch it that way, which is great because it is just another way that we can reach an audience. And, you know, if the if the show gets 6,000 downloads in a week or whatever, we may see another 1,000 people that maybe weren't fans of the show because they don't listen to audio podcasts who find it on YouTube, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, did it ramp up the difficulty level so using the gaming metaphor, but uh, as far as producing the show for you guys a lot to add the video components? Not in a huge way. I mean, if you've got the basic equipment for recording an audio podcast, the difference for us was the addition of, uh, you know, a webcam for each host and a little bit of, we have a, the blues pro network has a graphic designer that we reached out to, to put together some vector overlays for the streaming process. So we could put up not just, you know, pictures of the three of our faces, but some graphics that show off like the show's logo and some stuff like that. So we put that stuff together and that is the the template that the video show sort of has for a viewer who chooses to experience it that way. That was really the only new complexity because the rest of it is more or less taken care of by the platforms. Streaming to Twitch requires, you know, one or two pieces of free, very easy to use software. Um, and then the platform itself allows you to hit a button, export to YouTube, and 20 minutes later, it's done. Like, it's right. that part was very easy. They must, whoever's the, I don't know if you're the technical host or whatever, or how that works as, as far as the show, but there must be some sort of video mixing thing going on, like to have the three or four up, I guess you have three people and then a show notes tab in the in the video display, or is it is that something that Twitch offers support for? Do you know? Uh, well, we use a we use program called OBS, uh, online broadcasting software, or oh, whatever is what the acronym yeah. stands for, and it allows you to basically grab snapshots of things off of your computer. So in this case, he's grabbing snapshots of the webcams within Skype, and he's grabbing the vector images off of his desktop, and just overlay those how you choose, and then that upload to Twitch sort of is flattened out and creates the video that's being processed to the online streaming service. And then that's recorded by their platform and exported to YouTube. So, I mean, it's not it's not hugely complicated. Like, there are hundreds of thousands of people at any given time who are streaming their own just regular gameplay online, and they're using this software for free, and they're putting, you know, the screen capture of the game they're playing underneath an overlay of their webcam, underneath an image that sort of takes up some of the excess space and cuts off the rough edges and makes it look a little more professional. And that that's a simple enough process that I mean, kids sitting at home playing Minecraft are doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, which is neat. And cause it does look, uh, maybe it's just because of somebody like myself, who's thinking old school ways of having, how you'd get video onto the web or whatever and having like the sort of multi video mixing, switching station thing to like do all that before you hit the, the server in this case, Twitch or YouTube or whoever they're using for streaming. But yeah, having, I've played with that OBS software and never really went too far down the path with it. But the, the fact that that's basically free, um, right. It's free. 
hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And and then there's all like the cool plugins and stuff. Like you can download plugins that other developers have written for it. Where when you start up a particular game, it'll switch the scene from a picture of like your webcam and something you want to show off to the gameplay footage like seamlessly in real time. You don't have to do anything. It's it's very robust for a piece of totally free software. Yeah, because I, I like looking at it, this is just the thing I do when I check out other podcasts, obviously, and especially video shows. You're like, okay, what are they using? How are they doing it? And it looks like a, a really well done professional. Not that it's not professional, but like, it looks like it's well done professional with lots of gear or whatever. Some guy with lots of equipment and, you know, spent thousands of dollars on all this video switching stuff when it really is under 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 the hood, so to speak, is just Skype like the rest of us use. I mean, you and I aren't doing video right now. I, it's on a Mac Mini that doesn't have a camera and stuff, but um, it wouldn't be that hard for someone else to do this kind of idea, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And uh, don't be just sort of like, if you haven't investigated the tools in a while, speaking to the listeners, that, you know, it's something like like Kevin's saying, is definitely a lot easier than it used to be. If you, Even like, I don't know, I forget when OBS came out, but, um, you know, a couple of years ago, it still was a lot harder and even using youtube's built-in tools for streaming like they they recommend using if you're trying to use youtube streaming they're they're recommending like wirecast light which is you know a limited feature set and then you should upgrade to the five or six hundred dollar version of wirecast to like do effectively what they're doing here and and i'm sure there's good reason to investigate uh, wirecast for certain purposes but this to my my eyes anyways looks pretty good <laughs> so it certainly does the job and i mean for the audio version of the podcast, that's where our equipment needs come in, right? The video portion was very easy, very quick to sort of stitch together on a moment's notice because the average home computer user with a microphone and a webcam can slap together streaming. And, and the, the biggest challenge there, honestly, is do you have the upload bandwidth to sustain something yeah. watchable for your viewers? But no, I mean, it's it's a very simple process. And on my end, like I don't do any of the audio mixing or stuff. That's our... Uh, our host, John, looks after all of the audio mixing and, and sort of editing to make sure that it comes out sounding better than I sound normally. And he's really good at that. And he's got a ton of really nice equipment. He's uh, He works for Apple, so he has access to some really nice equipment at a pretty reasonable price point. So he's the one that sort of makes us sound like wizards. But for <laughs> JR and I, the other two hosts, it's like I have a I have a Audio-Technica microphone and a little Logitech webcam, total cost of about $250. Yeah. Which do you know what, just for the gear nerds out there, do you know which model of mic you're using? Yeah, it's uh, an Audio Technica uh, AT2020, the USB version. Right. Yeah. That's actually my brother in law just picked one of those up too, I think. So, yeah, but, super nice microphone. I, I actually bought this one used off of a friend in the States because she was getting out of doing a regular podcast. So I picked it up from her um, and it's phenomenal. It's like that and a $8 pop filter, no big deal. Uh, and then the webcam is a Logitech C920 so that I've got a high def camera. Yeah. Yeah. that's what exactly that's the, the C920 is kind of like the, the go-to standard, I think in any sort of web streaming these days. Um, and, and it's worth the upgrade over the built-in camera unless, I mean, even on a lot of, yeah, a lot of the Mac laptops and stuff, if you're, you know, or higher end laptops, the C920 is definitely nice to have because you can put it wherever and maybe situate it somewhere else besides just staring back at you at the top of your screen, which doesn't always give you the best, uh, best angle, um, up your nose, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. No. And then like, it's a nice little piece of equipment, even if you're not going to use it for, uh, something like broadcasting necessarily, like the webcam itself has, uh, built in microphones and stuff. It's like the, the equipment is very, much designed for a casual person to pick up and be able to do 
whatever the sort of core purpose of that piece of equipment would be, right? In this case, for the webcam, it's like video Skype with grandma or whatever. And it just, you set it up and it just works. Yeah. It picks up audio. It's very clean. It's not editable to put out in a podcast format clean, but it's like for what people would use it for, it's more than sufficient. And they're not crazy expensive anymore. No, yeah. If you, well, I don't, once you look at one on Amazon once and then your cookies get enabled or whatever, get picked up and then Amazon will email you whenever it's on sale, basically. And you'll see it everywhere from then on, on Facebook, et cetera. You'll see ads for it until you buy one finally and Amazon stops bugging you about it. I just want to stop for a moment to thank a sponsor for this episode. That is FeedPress. FeedPress is analytics and podcast hosting made for bloggers and podcasters, especially podcasters like you and I. It's what we use here at Good Stuff to host all our shows. All the great shows at Good Stuff are hosted on FeedPress. They have a simple, intuitive, and powerful RSS analytics and podcast hosting platform featuring powerful subscriber and podcast download tracking, integrated newsletters, automated publishing to popular social networks, and a slick drag-and-drop podcast hosting interface and everything you need in order to submit an optimized feed to iTunes. With 250 megabytes of flexible file storage that rolls over monthly, you can easily upload four episodes per month, maybe a little more if you get away with uh, you know shorter shows, that kind of thing. Um, you can upgrade your storage very easily for a flat rate of just $20 for one gigabyte. If you go visit feed.press/smym, that's feed.press/smym today and sign up. You can try FeedPress for 14 days, no contracts or commitments. Maybe upload a few episodes, try out the the backend interface, see what the stats look like and how easy it is to use. You can upload via a URL if you want to just like suck in a, an episode of your current podcast from wherever it happens to be hosted on the web and just see what it looks like within FeedPress's system. And then use promo code SMYM during your checkout to get 10% off your first year. Promo code SMYM for 10% off your first year. Our thanks to FeedPress for supporting goodstuff.fm and show me your mic. But going back to the show, I guess, the, do you find, um, you mentioned sort of numbers and you don't have to share exactly like stats, but obviously YouTube stats are, are readily available for anybody to check out if they want to. But do you find like, is the audience listening to the podcast, the audio version, you know, uh, whatever 10 X then what watch the video or what's sort of the rough ratio there that you guys have found for us right now, I would say it's probably in the like five to one range, uh, audio over video. And I think it's because we were an audio podcast first and foremost. Like there's a little history right. there yeah. in that our show actually inherited uh, a pre-existing RSS feed from another show that I actually used to guest on last year. Um, there was a previous group of people within the Blizz Pro Network who ran a Hearthstone podcast when the game was brand spanking new uh, called Hearth Pro. And they put out an episode every couple of weeks for the first year, year and a half that the game was sort of in test and available to play. Uh, I got brought in as part of that last summer. And then the host who sort of managed all of their audio work had to leave for personal reasons. He was just, you know, more time to spend with his kids, whatever, and and more power to the guy. Nobody felt bad about it. So the show just sort of went on indefinite hiatus. And between myself, who had been on the show, JR, who is the owner of the network, and our new guy, John, who we found through an open call for a new co-host, we were able to sort of reboot the show, but we wanted to rebrand it, make it something that was kind of new and our own. And in that case, we just actually took all of the pre-existing stuff from the prior show, right? The existing feeds, the existing Twitter accounts, all that stuff, and just rebranded them and carried forward. So we had access to a established audience for the audio podcast. And yeah. that was part of, I think, the driving decision for the format was we have an audio podcast audience for this type of material already. So let's 
carry forward that way. The the video component, there's maybe like in, in a good week, we'll have 100, 150 people who come and sit during the live recording with us to watch us record the show. And, you know, take their questions, hang out with them for an hour after we're done recording, which is really cool and a very like unique experience. But that audience is much narrower and much different than the people who are just getting the show downloaded to their phone and listening to it on the, you know, ride to work on the subway or whatever. Yeah. And that's where I think it's so important for folks who like on both ends of that, like there's um, the audio folks, like uh, it's common debate among podcasters, like, oh, you have to do video. Oh, you have to do audio and, and you can't, you know, it's not a both end. It's like, or, and I think audio you is, like you said, it's so accessible and easy to listen to wherever you are. Great. Video though, like those 100, 150 people who tune in live to watch the show, like if you, if that was in a room and you were doing that, you know, in your basement and 150 people showed up to watch you record that, that would be incredible. Like you'd feel that would be awesome. But some, for some reason on the, on the internet, it feels like, oh, it's just a hundred people. But, uh, it's, those are people no, that's who, a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I know you appreciate that. I just, some of these podcasters, I think sort of like, don't get that, that like, just cause it only has a hundred views on YouTube or whatever. Like that's a hundred people who sat and watched. I mean, they may have been multitasking for all we know it doesn't matter but we're willing to sit and have that video stream open for an hour hour and a half or whatever watching you do your thing um which is incredible and that's like you said it's it's a great feeling we've i'm not live streaming this show but we often live stream and like it might be 10 people that show up to listen just to an audio only version of us recording and and that is still a pretty incredible fact that people are willing to tune in and yeah like you said getting questions from the audience while you're doing the show and stuff and and after the show is just a, a fun extra little bonus as part of this that you're actually interacting with uh, real human beings out there in the world, not just uh, shouting into a microphone and hoping somebody's out there. <laughs> well, and, and that's, I mean, it's the nature of, of sort of the bi-directional feedback, right? Like it's, it's one thing for us to put out the audio show or even the video show and upload it to YouTube. And it's, it's out there for people to experience. It'll be there forever. But the live stream in particular is very unique in the sense that if 150 people came to watch some musician do a little like studio show in a restaurant or something, 150 people would pack that building beyond legal capacity. There'd be people standing on the patio and like spilling out the door. Yeah. That, that would be incredible. That would be an amazing experience. And people kill for that sort of audience if they're physically able to reach out and touch them and autograph stuff. Right. But in, in the live streaming world, that's just as big a deal. Like we're, we're doing this in a format where, a hundred people are setting aside their Sunday night, you know, no, I'm not going to sit and watch Netflix with my wife. I'm going to sit and listen to these guys talk about a video game for 90 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. It's very, it's very uh, easy to lose sight of how neat that is. Well, and like you alluded to earlier, your Patreon campaign, which is a great, you know, crowdfunding site. I use it. Patreon.com slash iChris is where you can check out mine and Patreon.com slash podcast is theirs. If you're so interested, uh, definitely go check it out and support them. Um, like you've got, what is it? Three people giving you 25 bucks a month to talk about a game you would talk about anyways, <laughs> which is what's so awesome about the internet. Um, and, and it helps you guys obviously just in terms of, you know, funding, I'm sure, and, and paying for equipment or streaming costs or any of that kind of stuff, whatever it goes towards, it's going back into the show, I'm sure, in terms of how much time you guys are putting into this thing. Um, and, uh, it's, it's an important thing. I think that we're able to do that now in terms of people supporting the thing that they want directly. And the whole ad blocking debate is up again in, on the internet and such and such. And so things like Patreon are great because it means folks like Kevin and the network you're a part of can do some of this stuff and just not worry about advertising necessarily, or it supplements the advertising and things like that. And so, 
um, it's a, yeah, it's definitely a great time to be a creator, I think. And, and producer of stuff like this. I, I'm, it's exciting anyways to me. Um, as you can tell, how long do you know roughly how long did it take you to sort of reach that from, you know, when you started your Patreon campaign to get sort of your first $100 a month looks like it was for, you know, live streaming your weekly recordings. Was it like a, a long slog did it feel like or was it like, holy cow, this happened really quick or? No, it was it was overwhelming how fast it happened. Like we had talked on and off since we had started the show about whether or not it was a good idea to have a Patreon because we had a we had the same struggle that every content creator has when they start out, right? That this is something we're doing for free. Is it right or okay to ask for money? And even then we're not really asking for money. We're saying if you feel like it, right? Yeah. The show like and then we were very clear when we started, we said nothing we produce for content will ever be gated by money in any fashion. The show will be free if we do extra episodes or video or any other kind of like bonus because of this. Someone who pays zero dollars ever will still get access to all of it. But we put it out there and said, yeah, sure. Like, let's, let's see, is anybody interested in, in investing and being a part of it? And we offer a couple of different scales. And at one point we had somebody who was donating $50 a month, right? (laughs) The first, the first hundred happened in the first couple of weeks after we launched it. Like it was kind of surreal and you would find out who these people were and you know, they're following you on Twitter. You've chatted with them a couple of times. They've emailed in to have a question answered on the show. You answered their question on the show and they said, that's super cool. So here's five bucks a month to keep doing what you're doing. And it, it seems like nothing, but that whole ecosystem, the ability for someone to set up a Patreon account and contribute to us or anything else that they enjoy without any of the hassle of it having to be something they remember to donate to or make a one-time payment, like recurring funds are such a huge thing for content creators. Because it just, we know that there's a couple hundred bucks coming in a month that offset, yeah, equipment costs, travel costs, production costs, whatever it is that we sort of need to keep this thing moving forward. That had we not had that, like when John's motherboard died on his machine, we would have been just SOL to record for the foreseeable future but we said no it's okay we have a way to handle that yeah and yeah it's it's a it's a phenomenal thing that uh, i mean we're the same way as as you know hosts we obviously recognize the value if i'm out listening to a show i enjoy or watching a stream i think is cool it's it's not even a, a second thought anymore to think yeah i'll subscribe for four dollars a month or whatever it is that i have to to be a part of your show and and feel like i'm giving back because that cup of coffee is not more important to me than the eight or 10 hours of entertainment a month I get out of something like it's, it's crazy. And it's an amazing thing that's so common now where five years ago it was non-existent. Yeah. You had the PayPal button or something on the site or whatever. If you were lucky. Yeah. yeah, You could make that direct one-time donation using a third party tool that you maybe did or didn't feel comfortable using. Whereas now it's like (laughs) I set up a Patreon account. I put in my credit card information. I don't have to worry about it being like suspect because the, that whole like Visa MasterCard world is already so well controlled that like if there's a problem, you cancel charges, whatever like that. The comfort of that made it much easier for people to say, oh, well, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. Yeah. And that's where I think to encourage folks out there, like, I mean, you want to do it with some thought and with some intentionality as far as setting up a Patreon campaign, but definitely do it sooner than you think you should. Cause I've, I've talked to, I've actually, I don't know if you checked out the whole, that whole blab platform that's kind of rising up a bit of a video streaming conversation thing. But, um, I did a sort of conversation with a, a few other Patreon creators or people who are investigating create Patreon and, uh, and all of them to a, to a, 
person said, I wish I would have done it sooner because I'm shocked, like you said, shocked that people were willing to give money. And like mine, I just lost four bucks on mine, so I'm a little bitter right now, but but the, no, but like it's a 90 bucks a month or whatever. And so it's like, that's crazy that there's, I forget how many people it is, 20 some people or whatever that are giving that much money per month to help me do this thing. And like you said, nobody's getting like, I mean, some people are getting rich, but nobody, we're not getting rich off, you know, $200 a month or $90 a month in my case. Like that's not going to, pay for my food or my kids or my mortgage or any of those kinds of things. But it does help, you know, just offset, like I said, some of the costs that we incur doing this kind of thing. And it's not a charity. It's not like, like there's plenty of better places to give your money if you're looking for charity to give, but it's, it's just a way to support the the people who are doing this thing for free and, uh, and help them out and show your, like you said, like a cup of coffee a month or whatever is not going to hurt your bottom line. If you normally hit up Starbucks every other day, um, and, and you listen to or watch podcasts for hours or a month, um, I think I think you'll be okay. But well, And it's a sustainability problem, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for us, creating this show is a huge time commitment because we not only have to spend the, you know, couple hours a week to do the recording itself, but there's also, for us in particular, because of the nature of what we're doing, we have to be aware of all of these tournaments and shifts in the playability of the game that we're worried about. So you're, you know, jacked into that scene for hours every week, spending all this time on something that, yeah, you would probably do for personal entertainment reasons, but to then sit and take notes and put together show notes and edit and do all that work to make that into a digestible 90 minute thing for someone is a commitment that, there's so many shows, right? So many different shows that have come and gone where you look back and you think that poor person probably cared about this deeply. They were very passionate about it, but they couldn't sustain it because it was just such a huge time commitment. And the people who do this successfully and build shows that have huge followings and go on to survive for years upon years, it's because they do make money doing it. And it does sort of slowly allow them to step back from whatever they're nine to five was previously because they actually can afford to spend more time on creating the content that their fans enjoy. This for me is, is one of a handful of things I'm involved in because I'm a writer by trade. But if I had more time to be involved in more podcasts, more shows, more streaming, because I could afford to spend that time on that, I would be able to put together more and better content. And it's, it's that sort of positive feedback loop, I think is the part that people they see the successes, but they don't see the failures. And so you don't recognize just how massive an impact your $5 a month can have when it suddenly allows someone to say, okay, I get you know $400 a month from my podcast. I no longer need this part-time job or I no longer need to work five days a week. I can work four days a week. And it, that extra time in turn slowly becomes more content, more projects. That That's an incredible thing for any content creator. It's It's a huge part of why our show is doing as much as it is. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because that's what uh, the uh, milestone goals that I set up for myself initially. And, and we're, at Good Stuff, we're sort of under discussion I've mentioned on previous episodes of like, do we do a network site one, network Patreon, or do we each have our individual? And, and we're doing a bit of both and that's that's sort of where we're headed with it. But on my own personal one, I, I did outline like, here's how much if I get, you know, a thousand bucks a month and I'm going to spend every Tuesday all day because that's, you know, that much less time I have to spend in my 
day job, which happens to be my own business as well. So it's sort of like stealing from Peter to pay Paul or something like that. But anyway, they, uh, um, and outlined that like, you know, and this much per month means I'll get to give up two to three days a week or, or whatever towards podcasting and, and things like that. And threw in there, like, this is how much our mortgage is. And if you guys, if people on Patreon support me enough, then that would be paying for my mortgage, which is like worth, I think that's where like, it's worth celebrating with those folks who are, who are supporting you because that's a thing they helped you do. And they're getting the benefit of all this, hopefully great content. I mean, that's why they'd be <laughs> supporting you obviously. And, uh, and sort of outlining it that way and, and being so sort of a bit more transparent, I think it allows for, and, and, uh, and have people sort of helping and supporting you and cheering you on as you go. And I just want to address earlier, I, I sort of alluded to be joking. I, I hope it was fairly clear. I was joking. That was better that somebody stopped or lowered their support, which is completely fine as well. Like that's a thing that you're allowed to do, obviously, and capable of doing not that this is a Patreon ad, but, um, <laughs> we're going pretty long on Patreon, but the, uh, the fact that you like, you can change and, and I fully support just like I have in the past, like adjusting Patreon support levels because you're not watching as much or your financial situation has changed. Like that's totally fine. And part of the deal that I take on as someone who's trying to be supported by my listeners in, in this venture. And, and like you guys would as well, I'm sure like, it's not a lifelong, I say that in my video, we're not hooked for life. We're just doing this for Patreon. And as your life circumstances change, feel free to change the support levels. It's just the way it goes. Um, I had a bunch of questions about the video side of things because I thought it was going to be more difficult. That's why I'm, I'm maybe going a little longer on the, the Patreon support side. And uh, it's exciting to me. I actually want to just get off the podcast and go play with OBS now and, and again and see see how things have changed since last time I tried it. Um, but uh, I think my computer is probably going to be a little underpowered to actually do it properly. But um, the uh, any other comments, I guess, as far as the, the production of the show? How Are you guys using things like Google Docs and things to sort of prep, do show prep or how do you sort of prepare for a show like yours? I mean, most of the, the backend work for us occurs through a mixture of, um, you know, semi-frequent Skype calls to discuss the, you know, events that are occurring occasionally, like as recently as just last night, actually, we got together a couple of us to do a, just a short non podcast related video stream, some gameplay to kind of interact with the couple of people who want to spend time on that element of our relationship for lack of a better term. Um, but no, we use Slack uh, in a big way for coordinating, transferring files. We put together a PDF document with our show notes in it, upload it to that so everybody has easy access to it and record of what's been said, what links we want to refer to, what what needs to get published when the show goes live. Um, the network itself is mostly WordPress, so we're able to go in and just you know slap together a template for when the show is finished. Here's where you're going to you know quickly FTP up a file. The notes are all in place and that's a 10 minute job when the show's done recording, which is really great. Um, tool wise, there's not a whole pile to it. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't do the audio editing. So I know for John on his end, he's got a whole bunch of stuff to try and, you know, gate out the unnecessary noise, make our voices sound less worse, all that kind of stuff. Um, but no, from like, from a, post-production standpoint outside of the work that he's doing to edit the audio and like we've done local recording in the past as a backup like everybody runs you know a flat recording through audacity and you can then go through and get rid of some of the feedback and variance and the noise and stuff but for the type of show that we're doing now and for how good the finished product is after just a 90 minute skype call and a little bit of quick editing on john's end like we're very happy with that finished product and and 
I think all of the extra tools and extra work that people see can be really off-putting and really scary. So for us, we tried to make it, how can we do this with as little excess technical requirement as possible? We want to be able to sit down and just get excited and passionate about the game, the esports, the stuff that matters to us in terms of the content, and have the show sort of, within reason, take care of itself. Yeah, and that's where I guess for the um, on the video side, it's just it is impressive how little like you're basically just in effect live to tape. I mean, it's live to hard drive or whatever, but you're live to the to Twitch basically, and that's whatever happens on there is what you publish. You know, barring obviously someone having to leave or whatever on the show or something like that. But that's like effectively you're not doing video editing, right? In, in not at all, no. Yeah, which is actually really funny because the there is the occasional hilarious discrepancy where somebody screws up royally, right? And this doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Yeah. Somebody just wildly missteps or says something that they totally didn't mean to. And we all stop and go, okay, wait, no, we have to edit that out. But that's all captured in the live stream, which is then in turn captured in the video. So the audio podcast gets the little bit of cleanup where we cut out the segments that don't belong. Or if we miss some major component of the show, because we're out of time to record, you know, John can go back in and he can edit in the, you know, uh, for example, we did a an interview with a couple of pro players once and we couldn't do that live. So we recorded that in a separate call and had to kind of drop it into the middle of the show. Um, but for the live recording, it's just like we just sat there and said, so this is where the interview will go. You should probably listen to the audio show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And just moved on. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very funny disconnect because yeah, the video for us is not video in the strictest sense. It's a recording of the live stream and whatever happens live is what goes to video. Yeah. And that's what I think like for folks too, like if you're thinking about doing this and maybe you do it as a Patreon reward or goal or whatever, like, like they did, or, or you just start doing it as a way to test this out and, and play with it. But like, don't stress the, the video component. Um, if your primary audience is on audio, the people who love to see the inside stuff, like I know, I remember watching people, you know, back in the day, Leo Laporte, Dan Benjamin, et cetera, when they turn on a video camera and you get to see the recording, that was like a crazy awesome sort of peek into how this show that normally you just hear and don't get a visual for is done. And it's kind of like a, just if, if nothing else, like uh, maybe I'm being this, this thing to death, but if nothing else, it's uh, just a great way to offer folks a peek into what you're doing that kind of effort and uh time you're putting into this thing the equipment that you've purchased the the stuff on your wall in the background that they don't normally see or whatever like you've got a starcraft poster in the background on the one video or whatever um yep. that kind of stuff it just gives a peek into the the world behind this you know sort of headless voice that otherwise here and maybe associate with a twitter account but um and it gives you personality that podcaster b over there not that it's a direct competition but another podcaster who just does audio and they never see or get a sort of actual visual real world visual for um and would make them want to support you because when you do actually ask for a patreon campaign support let's say well they have they know that you're sitting in a old decrepit chair that needs upgrading or, or whatever uh and and so that it kind of helps give that personality because it's it's 90 percent personality i think and 10 percent quality of content and stuff that goes a long way towards building support for what you're trying to do. So, um, there's my little soapbox rant. Um, the, the one other thing I noticed that you had done when I was sort of doing a bit of research is commentary on the games as well, right on Hearthstone. And that's not, is that, that's a diff separate from the well-met podcast, if I'm not mistaken, right. Or maybe I've crossed the streams. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of bleed over. Like I, my, so my day job such as it is right now is I, I am a journalist. I cover the video game and esports world professionally. That's what I do. Oh, nice. Um, 
yeah, and that's that's I, it's you know a mixture of some paid work, some paid freelance work, and some please publish this. I hope people see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there is a little bit of bleed over in the sense that because I've been so heavily tuned into this for so long, uh, there are occasionally segments we do on the show where we talk about things like game design or, um, for example, in our most recent episode, which uh, came out just yesterday, we had a, a piece on the nature of tournament formats and how do we how do we set up a long-term tournament format for, because they're having a, a Hearthstone World Championship coming up here in November. Uh, so they've got the best players from China, Korea, Taiwan, North America, South America, Europe, all going to one physical event to play for uh, the first place prize. I think is a hundred thousand dollars. There's a so there's this very cool sort of like you get the trophy. You are the best Hearthstone player in the world. Um, but there was a very convoluted path to that. And so on the show, we because we've talked about all these players, all these events, we talked about how would you do this differently or better in the future, right? From a design perspective, how do we make the process of that more visible? Um, and that's that's a lot of that kind of stuff filters into the show in sort of, it gets woven in amongst the other things. We talk about the tournament results and then we say, but if we had designed this tournament, what would you have done differently and why? Right. And I think we have, we have, strong opinions on that kind of stuff because we're all so deeply and passionately concerned about how this works in the long run. Cause I mean, esports is a like $300 million arena right now mm-hmm. and projected to more than double in the next two years. Like it's a big crazy thing and we just want to see it be bigger and crazier. <laughs> like it's, you know, there's, if you look up some of the videos, like look up a or look up a screenshot from somewhere of a like a sold out stadium in Poland, uh, you know, seats 30,000 people looks like it should be a Foo Fighters concert. No, it's 10 kids playing League of Legends on stage. Like it's yeah. it's an incredible thing. Dota. That's the one I was thinking of. That's the other big one, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Dota. Dota has just their one annual thing. That's the international. And yeah, it's right. okay. absurd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I remember. Like it's on. uh, uh where was it? Anyways, yeah, I happened to catch it streaming somewhere or whatever. I was like, holy crap, that's like, <laughs> like it is when you say, again, just like I was saying with your own like video streaming thing, when you see that stuff in the flesh or whatever and happening in, in the world really, and it's not just, you're not picturing some kid playing this Warcraft in his basement, but like actually like in these like insane booths with crazy intense computers, obviously, and like multi cameras, there's commentary just like the same kind of production that you'd see for, like you said earlier, Monday night football, but it's just people playing games, video games. And then the crowd is there watching and people are watching, you know, live streaming on the web and et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And it kind of just like, it's impressive and, and awesome. And so it's worth checking out. Like you don't have to love watching it necessarily. If you, if that's not your thing, that's what I'm saying, but just to have an appreciation for what's going on in the world with that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and I know many of you already are, and like, that's definitely not that f- far out of the realm of, of nerd area for podcasters who are <laughs> do this kind of stuff as it is. But, um, sometimes you sort of lose track of a whole section of the web, of the internet, uh, because of just being focused on one part of it. So, um, so what's coming up, I guess, next for, for you guys with the show and, and sort of where, I guess, far, as part of blizzpro.com, right, is the, the larger site that's like focused on just all things Blizzard, I assume, the gaming yes. company. Uh, uh, and so plans for the future as far as the show and things like that or hopes and dreams for, for where this podcast might take you? 
Yeah, I mean, there's big aspirations. Um, the show is now coming up on 30 episodes and we'll get to about 33. And then all three of us are actually traveling to uh, California for BlizzCon, which is their big annual convention where they announce new game titles and have these uh, world championships for their different games. So all three of us are going to be in physical attendance this year nice. uh, to be there, you know, hopefully do some we we got asked to be a featured podcast at there's a, a podcast network for other Blizzard related podcasts that's throwing a big party. Um, so people are going to come to this event and there's going to be podcast hosts for different games from all over the world who are going to set up booths for merchandise. Be, people be able to come get like autographs. It's it's going to be like I, I hearken it to like a a convention of podcasters specifically in a way that yeah. we're all going to hang out. So we'll, we'll get like a 15 minute segment to get up on stage and do a little demo. And we also get to have a booth where people can come over and like, I'm horrified that some person is actually going to come up and ask for my autograph. Cause that's <laughs> never happened in my whole life. <laughs> Weird. Um, but yeah, like we're going to do that and then attend the convention, maybe interview some developers, you know, meet some of the pro players that we've talked to on the internet a hundred times and never seen in the flesh. Like it's, it's a very unique thing to get to take, all of these people and who have this very unique and specific set of shared interests and just jam them all in Anaheim for a weekend and let us all kind of geek out all at once. So that's going to be super cool. And in turn, we'll feed into there will be new content uh, released for the game, which means more things to talk about on the show. Down the road, we would love to be you know, interviewing developers on our show. We'd love to be doing more in terms of one of our uh, unannounced, I will sneak it in here because people won't hear it. <laughs> we have an unannounced Patreon reward, but if we ever get to the uh, $1,000 a month mark, we're actually going to use that money to host our own pro tournaments. Oh, allow nice. players to play in a well-met, funded, and hosted tournament series, uh, which would allow us to also obviously offer reasonably competitive cash prizes for players yeah so down the road like if things went really well that's something we would love to do um and it and it opens up a lot of cool opportunities for us as hosts as well um you know because i do this and i do some games writing and stuff i've been able to get paid trips to attend different events i was at uh the penny arcade expo in boston in march oh, all nice. paid for by work uh our my trip to BluesCon is fully funded i didn't pay a dollar um one of our former co-hosts off the prior show, uh, the old Hearth Pro show, actually works for Blizzard now. That's how we got his job there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it opens a lot of very cool doors, and we get to be involved with a lot of very cool people doing a lot of very cool stuff. And I'm going to use the word cool a couple more times. <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, the unintended side effect of all this. Like, you, I know you didn't initially start this one originally, but, like, you start a podcast and you're talking from your basement or whatever to the world and hoping somebody might tune in. And then eventually as you, if you keep at it and you keep going and you know, you improve and iterate and stuff like that, things like that do happen. And, um, and it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to have a rich, successful podcast that pays your day bill, your day job or, or pays your bills every day, but you might have other opportunities that come out of it as well. So, um, it's, it's a very cool to keep using the word, the word of the, uh, it's a very cool medium to be in and, uh, an awesome. So, um, the way that I wrap up the show is by asking, uh, what podcasts you're listening to these days. So I don't know if you're, I, I don't imagine you're all Hearthstone all the time, but, uh, what other <laughs> podcasts, and if there is other Hearthstone podcast too, you can mention that obviously, but what, uh, what other podcasts do you listen to? Oh, and that's, that's tough. Cause there's so much good stuff to listen to. Um, my, I guess my challenge, unfortunately, is is that uh, as a byproduct of my heavy, deep, and specific involvement in the gaming world, a lot of it's 
very gaming related. So uh, there will be other Hearthstone shows, uh, you know, hat tip to guys like uh, The Angry Chicken is <laughs> a very popular Hearthstone podcast. They've been at it for a long oh, time. Oh, I've heard of that one. Is that a, who, who's on or where is that one on um, uh, that, podcast network or is it just on, maybe it's on its own? I, feel like uh, I, I think it. they're owned by like a move TV or something. It's, it's a bigger right. network. That yeah. Part of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a big show uh, and they sort of have ties back to um, guys like Scott Johnson, who did the instance, which was huge beyond reckoning in the podcast world, in the gaming world. Um, you know, uh, is he no longer doing it or is it? You no, know, he still does it. It's just the, but it was a huge sort of stuff. Their audience has sort of taken a nosedive because the game has sort of taken a nosedive. Um, so things have changed for for that particular part. Like their broader network still does a lot of stuff, but the instance specifically is not doing quite as much as it used to. Right. Um, yeah, lots of cool gaming podcasts and shows. Lots, a, a lot of it for me because of uh, the availability of the medium is live streams. You can go and you can check out live streamed tournaments, live stream events, um, and that for us is a, a more relevant medium in some respects. Uh, so I'm on Twitch every day watching different people. Some days I'm streaming my own gameplay because people want to see that. They want to see me play the game, which is weird, <laughs> but very cool. Um, is there somebody yeah. that, like if somebody's never watched, let's say, uh, and you can promote yourself if you want, but also if there's uh, somebody playing Hearthstone that's like, uh, oops, shoot. <laughs> there you go. A little bit of some game being played. Um the uh is there somebody on twitch or wherever that i could link to that somebody could go check out like as far as beginner you know walk through starting hearthstone idea that you could off the top of your head i mean for beginners it could be tough um in general for somebody who's like interesting to watch and a great sort of analytical person i would recommend uh brian kibler uh and his twitch channel i believe is bm kibler um he's actually a card game designer himself uh and has been for a number of years he actually designed the world of warcraft trading card game that hearthstone sort of uh you know riffs off of heavily borrows a lot of the same artwork because it's all from the same company uh he was the designer of that game and is now a professional player of hearthstone uh alongside his day job which is designing games so very like great mind for it he's very inventive iterative in how he plays it like it's a lot of fun to watch him play and it's something that you can go and check out like on any given weekday that's that's effectively his day job is fire up twitch and obs and stream himself playing games <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's an awesome world we live in uh what do you listen to podcasts on what app do you use these days or do you just use the itunes thing or whatever uh i really like overcast personally um it's just uh, like feature set wise they've done a really good job i think of the right balance between I have sort of some power user tools, but there's also a lot of the like audio flattening and equalization stuff that just, it takes care of itself and I don't have to babysit. So I love overcast. Um, and if it's not that, honestly, there's lots of times where I'm just, I'm opening up my iPad and using the default Apple one. Cause it's what I have easy access to. Right. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, cool. Well, um, well met podcast is the Twitter handle where you can f- follow along with the show. Your Twitter handle is at lack of realism and, uh, any other links worth mentioning for folks? There'll be everything in the show notes. Of course, uh, I'll put it goodstuff.fm slash S M Y M slash one Oh three. But, uh, anything else, Kevin, I should, you want to pimp or point people to <laughs> not in particular. Yeah. Um, people who follow me on Twitter will get links to all the stuff that I'm involved in, whether that's writing projects, streaming, the podcast itself. 
between myself and John, we're actually in the process of working on another podcast. Uh, right. We're hoping to launch a new podcast for one of Blizzard's new titles that's due out this fall, Overwatch. I don't actually know where that show will be or what it'll be called yet because it's still very early on in the planning stages, but that show will be probably very similar in format. A couple of three of us that will talk about the game, the gameplay, the pro scene, and we'll hopefully do the same thing, be able to live record it and stream that process to people. So stay tuned, I hope. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And uh, yeah, so definitely check out the show, especially if you're interested in, obviously if you're interested in Hearthstone, I would guess it might even have been on your radar already, but if you're new to the game and want to sort of follow along with some of the industry news and stuff and tips and tricks, check out the podcast or the video sh- stream as well. Um, uh, again, like I said, I'll have all the links in the show notes, goodstuff.fm slash SMYM is where you can find this show. This is uh, episode 103, so just put a slash 103 at the end of that URL and you'll find uh, all the links that we discussed as well as obviously the show and where you can subscribe and uh, find it in iTunes and leave a rating review, all that kind of stuff. The usual podcast stuff that you guys know because you're all and girls are all podcasters probably listening to this or investigating podcasting. Um, good Stuff FM is where you can follow along with the Good Stuff Network on Twitter. I'm iChris on Twitter and show me your mic is SMYM underscore FM. As always, you can hit up a point, uh, goodstuff.appointlist.com to book into the show and be a guest on a future episode. And if the times there don't work for you, send me an email, Chris, goodstuff.fm. I think that's it. And uh, go check out the Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash iChris. I threw up a little video. I threw up a video. Sounds terrible. I put a video up there. Uh, there's no throw up involved uh, with my son. And he helped me explain Patreon and why you might want to support us. And I didn't do it in a, like, you're going to cry because my son's so cute. You're just going to laugh because my son's so funny. So um, anyways, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.